0: Hi, and welcome to the Orion Podcast with Jessa and Laurel. In today's episode, we connect with Katie at Wild Path Consulting, whose clients have said she revolutionized their marketing mindset. Katie clarifies what is greenwashing marketing versus authentic sustainability strategies, and how to spot the differences as a business leader and consumer. She has helped us navigate the wilderness of our own work, and we hope her strategies resonate with you too. Enjoy.
1: Laurel. Hey, Jessa. Who's our guest today?
0: We have Katie Smith of Wild Path Consulting. Thank you so much for joining
1: us. Welcome, I'm Katie. I'm so excited to be
2: here.
0: And H- Jessa, how are we connected with Katie?
1: So we can, it's funny, I've shared this story a few times, so I think I know it now because Katie actually reached out on LinkedIn and connected over, some of the messaging that um, Laurel, you and I have been doing on social impact businesses and businesses who do good. And I know, you know, Katie, obviously you'll get more into this, but you are looking to build out your network of more kind of like-minded businesses. Cause that's something you highly focus on. And I think, wait, I don't think I know that you went to college with one of our previous podcast guests, Jared, Chris, Chris Cuolo, um, who, uh, has, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on the name of his company right now? Upcycle and Co. Upcycle. I was thinking Upstart. I was <laughs> like, no. Oh my gosh. Thanks. Jeez. Okay. Upcycle. Upcycle and Co. Um, game-changing fertilizer. <laughs> and anyway, so it's so fun. I love like sharing how we connect with guests because it really is like this. You talk to one person, they talk to another and we love Katie. We've connected with you so many times since then and uh, are so happy to have you on here as our guest.
0: Yeah. And we got to go through your process at Wild Path Consulting. And I have to say, when um, Jess, Jess was like, oh, you got, you got to see Katie in WildPath Consulting. She reached out to us on LinkedIn. You got to see this. And I pulled up your website and I was like, yes to all the things that Katie is portraying. <laughs> yes.
1: She literally uh-huh. did that. As we were, I, was like, we really, I was like, we really need to talk to Katie and as Laurel's going, we're talking on a call at the same time and Laurel's reviewing your website for the first time saying, yes, yes, yes. Pulling out quotes and pictures and <laughs> anyway. We're fans. We're, here you are. <laughs> That's so awesome.
0: Like, well. how, like, tell us about yourself. Like, where did you come from and why did you start Wild Path Consulting? I'm just, I'm so into your brand and your background is really inspiring to me personally. Please share
2: Thanks. Yeah. Oh gosh. I'm like, woo. Um, so I, I live in Montana, um, and I spent my twenties as an outdoor guide. So I really loved connecting with people through the outdoors and teaching them, taking them to places where they felt a little bit nervous and uncomfortable and then giving them the skills so that they could feel really comfortable in these really cool environments. And I, you know, I was a rock climbing guide in college, you know, I I lived in the outing club house with Jared. Um, And, you know, our, that was like all that our club did is take people outside um, in the Adirondacks in New York. And I just, I was a wrangler, took people on horseback rides and Yellowstone and cross-country skiing. Um, So I really come at this guide's approach, but you know, I didn't really want to be a guide forever, and I had discovered marketing and PR um, one summer. I was living in New Hampshire. A friend of mine had a um, PR agency, and she asked me if she needed extra help. And I just I fell in love with the connection and the idea that you could use marketing and PR to help people to somebody who has one problem or issue, and there's a solution over here, and That I could be that connector of that. And so that kind of took me spiraling into really learning deep diving into public relations and into marketing um, and really seeing it as a service. Uh, So I worked for all over the place. I worked for nonprofits, I worked for for profits, big companies, small companies. And eventually I discovered that as a consultant, uh, people listened to me more than when I was an employee. So um, it's different when people hire you to come into their company. Um, They want to hear what you have to say, and then they want to act on it.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I think just to kind of sit with that for a moment, for, you know, people who are listening or in a leadership position to hear that, like how you, there might be a bias or perception that you respect a consultant's opinion more than your employees is, it's very it's a very astute observation and I could see that. That's interesting. Um, I haven't thought about it in the way you said it like that, but now I'm like definitely chewing on it. So not to cut you off, but please go on. But I just uh, landed with me. No, I mean,
2: (laughs) you know, I, when I work with, I work with lots of different sizes of companies. Often I work with um, smaller companies with kind of a team of people. And so my job is to make sure that everybody, th- their voice gets heard in the right spot. Uh, so I use that past experience to help shape companies so that that doesn't happen because you lose really good smart people who can um, who can really impact the growth of your company if you don't know how to listen to them or where to listen to them. And if they also don't know that they have a voice. So. I do. um, When I work with companies that have teams, uh, we do a lot of of building out what that infrastructure looks like.
1: Awesome. Great. I love that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So that's how, you know, I love consulting. I really love marketing strategy. So I'm like a big marketing nerd. I love learning about it all. It's so interesting to me. People always say, you're so interested in like sustainability and you you know, I, I believe that business is uh, will bring the solution to all of our, our climate problems and our social justice problems that business has a big role to play and they say, well why don't you start your own you know why don't you buy a factory and start building products? And I was like, well, I don't like all the rest of that stuff. I just really like marketing.
1: Yeah. Well, I think too, being a marketer and in a consulting role, you have a much broader reach than just being yeah. one person who's running one factory doing, you know, a handful of products. And so I, this is something I've been thinking quite a bit about the last few months. And I know um, I've spoken to you guys both about this before and and I about how I feel about marketing. And I think it's, it's a personal issue as you're talking about this, I'm realizing like, oh, this is more about me and my view of marketing, because I have a marketing degree and I never felt passionate about it. It was more just like, you are, you have the closest, what is it? The marketing degree is a degree you're going to get the soonest based on the credits I have. That's how I got into marketing. They're like, well, if you don't want to stay in school a fifth year, you should pick marketing. And I've always viewed marketing as just kind of slimy and tricky. And, you know, especially now it's like you're taking people's data and you're manipulating them and it's really psychological but it can be used for good. (laughs) And I think that's what I'm realizing more and more, you know, meeting people like you and um, you know, we have some other people on our podcasts, like, you know, James Merrill and Jeremy Naylor doing they're they're investing in marketing to spread awareness of the good work they're doing. And so I think with the companies you work with and the lens on social good from a marketing perspective, like you have to spend money on that. Like people aren't just going to magically find you. And, and I think that's something that I've, I've struggled with in the past and just now I'm on the other side where I'm like, marketing isn't bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I wanna add that I feel like this is also a social commentary on capitalism, right? Because business originally yeah. started to solve a problem and help us as a human species do better. And so business originally was business for good. It just was. And then the eighties happened. <laughs> And it became um, a little greedy and untrustworthy. And so here's now this movement where we're trying to get business back into a place of doing good for the sake of doing good and profits will follow instead of leading from profits first. And it is kind of like a a mental change, which is the same change that you're talking about, Jessa, where it's like, okay, marketing originally seems like this kind of conniving, um, sneaky way of selling something. But nowadays, especially with people like Katie and the people that we're connected to on the podcast, it is the critical tool for spreading awareness of the good. And tell us, I mean, we could talk about this forever, Katie, but greenwashing right now is a huge problem because it's a big trend to be eco-friendly, sustainable, um, and now even regenerative. And it often lives in the marketing department. So tell us in your experience where that goes right and where that goes wrong.
2: Right. So um, a lot of marketers might tell you or may think, or you know, you may have gotten the message that marketing is like this big super super us uh, superior thing that's like right over here. It's own separate thing, right? But really what uh, good marketing does, and this is I say I revel or people tell me I revolutionize the way they think about marketing. So I'm like trying to take that on, but, um, but, yeah. Um, but what really, you know, business strategy needs to be the start and that's where your green initiatives need to happen. Companies shouldn't be afraid to take on green initiatives because they fear a backlash. Um, but it can't be an idea that's generated in the marketing as a way to drive sales. It really needs to be the in the business's plan that they are going to cut their carbon emissions, that they are going to pay higher wages, find ways to do that, um, that they're going to take care of the people and the environment. It's all intersectional. Um, and you can't do everything. So businesses have to prioritize and they have to see what's happening in there. Um and then marketing should take those business goals and strategies and those the business goals and strategies need to have parameters so there can't be fluff it can't be just nice ideas It needs to say we're going to prioritize this over this piece this is where we're focusing and then marketing can take those goals some of the business goals marketing doesn't really have have any need for um you know if if a company's goal is to um, you know, upgrade new processes or operations or something like that. Marketing, there's no real need for us to, to really look at that goal aside from if it's if you're updating uh, your infrastructure so that you make it safer for your employees. Maybe that's a message that we use for something else. But, um, but then we take those goals that we do can have an effect on and then we create a strategy, right, which is... Supposed to be, you know, strategy is not a bunch of tactics. It's not a plan. A strategy identifies what the challenges are going to be and then creates the action that you're going to use to overcome. Then you use that to create the plan. And then the implementers do it. So the green strategy, all of that needs to be happening in the business development side. And marketing should be involved and talking, you know, learning about it. Uh, So that they know, but it can't, cannot start live in the marketing department, or else it's just siloed, and it's not going to be meaningful, and it's not going to make any impact on on the actual green initiatives. They're just going to sell more things. Agree. So that's sort of like the biggest thing.
0: (laughs) I 100% agree with you. I think that there are a few companies. Well, there's lots of companies that are, are. Coming at it from a good place, but they don't have the, they're already well established and they don't have the structure to add a new position, like a chief sustainability officer or a chief environmental officer or somebody at that executive level. And so the easiest thing for them to do is to put an environmental, social and governance person or a sustainability person in marketing, because it's just the easier, quickest thing to grow and expand. But your point to your point is that it's got to start in a place of change and start at, at the top in the business strategy itself baked into the fiber of the business, the story of which then gets told in marketing.
2: Yeah. And I think Marketing doesn't make up the story. We uncover what's already there.
1: Or at least that's how it should be. Right.
2: Yeah. And
1: I, I could yeah. imagine a lot of marketing departments are tasked with okay, well, well, green is trending. So now we need to be green, figure it out. And that's where problems start. And I think, oh my gosh, whatever you guys just said, I had, I was like, oh, this is, I just totally lost my train of thought, but (laughs) it was a very revolutionary comment. (laughs) Um, But, oh, oh, I know what it was. So, you know, Katie, I, you know, I think when like the, like exactly what you said, when like the business, And you know, Laura, and I love this when the business has a clear strategy and a clear like purpose and mission and values and all these things, and they communicate that with their employees. And now the employees know, okay, well, it's an initiative to, for us to be sustainable. And like you were saying a few minutes ago, well, now you have these employees on your team that can have ideas that can help achieve those goals. So if you don't have the money to go out and hire consultants to help you with all this, like just you don't have to immediately go carbon neutral and zero waste. All you have to do is put it out there that this is something you care about. And then the employees can come to you and have that dialogue where they might see stuff day to day, where there's waste and inefficiencies that can help achieve the sustainability, green goals, whatever they want to be called. And as I'm talking about this, I'm reminded of a story with new Belgium brewing and you know, if, you haven't looked at them, they're like the poster child of a sustainable you know in the sense we know it like company and very green very focused on the environment and one of the employees you know was saying well why do we need that when you have a six pack carrier of beer there are those cardboard inserts and one of the employees said why do we need these inserts it was someone who worked in the warehouse and like loading and saw them day in and day out and everyone kind of looked around and realized they didn't need them and so this is something I say all the time. Sustainability is, is the cheaper option too. So on top of all this, on top of being marketable, it's cheaper. And so they reduce, obviously, just the production of those inserts, but also the weight too. And obviously, you know, to us, like one of them weighs like, I don't know, a quarter of an ounce or something, but on the volume they're doing, that's real money. And so it shapes on shipping costs, on fuel, like just because this guy in the warehouse who knew like, oh, this is important to my company. I'm going to go talk to them and tell them like, hey, let's just get rid of this.
0: And you're you're marketing New Belgium Brewery right now because it came from an authentic internal place in this beautiful story that you feel compelled to even share that's going to land and stick with people. Think about it if it was the other way around, where if it was just like New Belgium Brewery or some brewery was just doing what they do and they're like, oh, we need to be green now because it's trendy. Um, I'm going to use recycled uh, cans, but to Katie's point that you mentioned offline, like where it breaks down is the transparency about the details of that, right? Like how it's great that we are doing, they were actively making choices and actions that reduce our environmental footprint or even add a better one. And I think Jessa will agree with me strongly when we say that it's really hard to be perfect. It's it's not attainable and being fully environmentally sustainable is like not attainable. But I think Katie where you come in and you've revolutionized the way people think about marketing, it's this idea of transparency. Don't be afraid to just tell it how it is. Give us an example of where marketing describes something that seems eco-friendly, but it's not like, what are some of those red flags?
2: Oh my gosh. So, uh (laughs) There's so many and to look for. So, so something that and this is what we all need to be aware of because right now it's it's super popular. Um, Pew Research just put out something that said six to ten in Americans say global global climate changes is, is a big issue for them. Um, and there's uh, there's another statistic that's flying around. I can't remember where what research it's from when people say the. Um, You know, seven out of ten people say that they're more likely to buy an eco-friendly product, and and people—that's a trend. People are—if people said they're more likely to buy something that's black, then black will become a trend. You know, like—and that's people's job. It's not. There's nothing wrong with them. They're not. There's nothing bad about people being like, oh, now we're gonna start figuring out greenwashing. It's just that they're they're trying to go too fast. Like this stuff. is is really too fast and so you end up with with something bad. So an example might be um, clothing is kind of like the biggest one where a brand might put out a line of their sustainability um, clothing. And they'll say, this is made from recycled plastic or recycled cotton or something. Um, But the reality is that maybe 5% or 2% of the product is. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's hard to create a full 100% recycled net zero anything. But if you let people believe that and you take advantage of people's um, confusion around eco terms or what things mean, if there's no parameters on what that is, then that's greenwashing. That's taking advantage. So um, another thing to think about, people will tell you their carbon goals We're going to be, you know, what is it? I think Amazon might have said that they're going to have just electric vehicles. Um, You got to think about what's the context of that. Like, it would be really great that they have electric vehicles. But as we know, right now, electric vehicles, they do produce less emissions, but they still are getting charged from mostly um, coal or natural gas. So there's that piece. But then also what else is going on with the company? You know, like if they're spending more money advertising this small change, then they are actually into creating change, then that's greenwashing. And that those kinds of things, it's hard as a consumer, it's really hard to read between lines, you know, like, okay, well, this person said that this is their goal, but let me look at how can I find what they've been spending? If they're a public company, maybe I can find the records, but if they're a private company, you can't. It's a lot on consumers to try and change that. Um, so as a marketer and when I work with clients who, are, who feel discouraged, you know I think that's the biggest thing, right? If you have a company and you're trying to do the right thing and you know that these guys aren't, and they're spending a ton of money blasting this message that is a half truth, you can feel like I don't want to be like them. I'm not going to tell people about my initiatives and like also people are going to think I'm like them. You know, like it's pretty easy to see through. Eventually all of these things get found out. You know, something happens and then people feel defrauded by the green movement. You know, you can think about BMW when they had this line of like green emissions cars but it turns out that they were cheating the emissions tests. Um, and lying about it, and then people are like, "Oh, oh green cars, like that's not really a thing, right?" Yeah, and so was people that Volkswagen? are upset about it. Oh, maybe it was Volkswagen. Yeah, I think BMW. Not that BMW it. Is it was Volkswagen to
1: this, but I'm pretty sure it was Volkswagen.
2: Um, I think you're right. Sorry, anyway. scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna, Volkswagen.
0: I want to give an example of what I think honest, transparent, green marketing is. We interviewed our friend Sensi Graves of Sensi Graves Swim. And when you go on her website, Mm -hmm. she says, I want to be the most sustainable women's swimwear brand in the world, and I'm not there yet. And here's where I'm at. I have X percentage of plastic recycled, X percentage of reused materials. Um, My factories are here. Their ethical standards are this. We're working with them to be better. And then after she goes through this whole, like, this is where we're at honesty she also says if you have ideas please let me know i i don't i don't want to run away from this i want to run towards it and i want to take it on and i want to make a change and that's where i feel like your comment about some some companies like amazon is like where do you want to go like what why why are you having emissions free vehicles and like honestly what's the supply chain for that i i happen to work in the supply chain for electric vehicles so i know Mm-hmm. what goes into it and I know what's green or not but the average consumer electric vehicle sounds awesome and then they gotta like really look into it there's some electric vehicles that are made their batteries are made from cobalt and the cobalt is mined by small children young young small children in the dirt getting that cobalt for you and for for these companies to go out and be like I've got an electric vehicle it's like at, at the hands of a small child in you know, a third world country that has no other option. What are you, what are you doing to change that? I
1: could go on Katie, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I know. What, what can consumers look for? I mean, because we put this out there and like you said, I mean, if, how do you say it? Like there are some people who are going to dig and they're going to look for, re- they're going to look for more research and other people like, I mean, it's already hard buying a car, let alone looking at the supply chain of where the car comes from. And I mean, that's a big purchase and you have like smaller ones like clothing, um, or like, you know, consumer goods, consumer household goods. So, you know, what, what advice do you have for people on like being aware consumers being aware of their quote green purchases?
2: Well, so I'm a marketer, so this might go against my people, but I think the number one is buy less, you know, that we know that that's the number one thing. Um, and it's really tough, right? So what what I do, what I tell people, marketing, um, what we do is is people, as we as people, we have goals and ideas and aspirations of who we wanna be. And so we, our purchases are a piece of how we can do that, right? And companies know this. And so there's so much, doesn't it feel like there's a lot of pressure that you need to go out? Well, my current sunglasses, are uh, cheap and made of plastic. So, but these sunglasses are better or this table set or, you know, this piece of clothing says that it's better for the environment, I'm gonna buy that because that's gonna make me feel better. So the first thing you can do as a consumer is be aware of your own triggers. You know, do what do I really need? It doesn't mean that you stop buying everything, but, you know, but make sure that that what you buy doesn't tie to who you believe you are because you're way more than what you buy. Um, And then the other piece is slow down a minute, you know, like take a look, do some research and and think about it. You you know, like it's, if you're looking to buy floss or something and you see the, like, the one-off plastic flosses, but they're like, we're, you know, like, we're compostable, and you're like, oh, cool, like, let me take that home, right, as an impulse buy, like, don't impulse buy sustainability, because you don't really know, and and what are your, like, maybe, maybe they are compostable, but maybe in your town, you don't have that, like, it's not going to compost in your garbage, or even in, in your backyard poster, you know, composter, like, how long is it going to take to break down, and would it be better to get something different, Um, just to get more refillable floss or water, something like that, you know, like we can just be, you're never going to pick the perfect thing. And as consumers, we've been told that lie, that it's our job to solve the climate crisis by purchasing other things, or by not using straws or something like that, you know, and that's, that's a lie. So, um, maybe for your big purchases, you know, or some of your everyday purchases, you can start thinking more about that. Um, but making sure that that you're not, you know, I'm gonna tell you to not buy into the marketing. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that.
0: There's like, for example, there's um, a laundry detergent. I need laundry detergent. Let's just, I mean, I can make it out of my Dr. Bronner's castile soap. I know I can, but I just, I don't want you right now. I'm not there. Um, I want to buy this particular laundry detergent. And so on their Instagram, I said, I love you. I love everything that you're saying, but I I cannot buy another plastic bottle. Will you please change your container or use the EcoPod kiosks who we interviewed on our podcast? And the EcoPod kiosk people responded and they said, let's set up a meeting and it's like, that's that's how I as a consumer can make a change is by going, mm-hmm. I love you so much. I want to buy your stuff so badly, but I can't because of the plastic. Can you come up with a better solution and put it on them to come back to you um, before I buy that thing? The other thing is I have really been struggling with toothpaste containers for so long. Yeah. It's, it's always been such a bother to me. And so I tried a brand called uh, Bit or Bite, where they come in these Mm -hmm. little yeah, dehydrated tablets. And I use those and I love them because they come in a recycled, uh, a compostable little container and they do compost with my worms in my backyard. And so like I've closed that loop magnificently. I'm I'm very proud of that. Katie, do you have any personal or professional um, thought processes you could share because it, it, I think it helps our listeners go, okay, think about this, ask this question, make this choice, go there.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. That's really exciting to hear. Um, I think pick one thing at a time and then look at, at what's available to you. So for example, um, you know, can you buy something locally um, instead? Like look at your products. Like we're not asking you to like change your whole life around but if there's something um in your life like you could you know start with a bathroom cabinet and look through that and see like what what, have, what do i have that i could maybe get made locally or is there something that i can change to and refill um i changed to from, so I used to, I can be very picky about my hair cause it's sort of curly and can get dry. And in Montana, it's very dry. And I was very picky about my shampoos, but I did like a plastic free thing and and I plastic free month or, you know, was trying to figure it out. So I thought, well, I've already switched from body wash to soaps. There's a, a woman, um, where I close to where I live who has goats and she makes incredible the best lazy daisy soaps the best soaps um, and so I had already switched to her soaps which I think are like the best and so that for me was helpful and then um, she has some shampoos so I tried it and I liked it, it works great for my hair um, so so just take something small or you know if you're thinking about getting something that's compostable think about what you know, like what you have um, in your backyard, you've got worms and they are good at composting. That's really great. Um, But for some people, you know, like their cities don't have like big compost sites where they can take the time to break down things, like things that can take years. Um, They're still compostable, but they have to be in the right conditions. So look at, you know, what you have around you. And if that's something that you want to do, you're not obligated as a consumer to, to buy any of these products. Um, it has to feel good to, what, to be what you want to do. And that's our job as, as companies is, is to, instead of guilting people into buying things, it's our job to be there when they need us. You know, that's really what it's
1: all about. Either yes.
2: when they need us,
1: I've been thinking about this a lot and I'm going to use this time for a free ad for shirt sauna, the product I'm launching and, and it's, you know, this multi-garment clothing steamer collapses down. I can't wait to get a shirt sauna. Perfect. And I'm on the, I'm on the list. Yay. Thank you. And when I, you know, I'm in the whole Facebook ad world and putting ads out and some people be like this is dumb, just iron or just use a steamer. I'm like, great. Th- you should do that. If you like that and that works for you, good. This is just another option for people who don't iron or don't hand steam and they want something like I'm not into guilt. And you know, something I think a lot about is the unsubscribe button. When like you click on it, people are like, oh, I might cry. You know, they tried to get cute and funny. Like I might cry, but if you really want to go, and, you know, I think I shared this with Laurel, actually. I just want to put on the unsubscribe. I, I can't, I haven't figured out where to edit it yet. So it's generic language, but I would say like, no problem. Like, you know, you know where to find us if you want us, you know, I, I, I don't, and I know what I know. And this is why I'm like marketing so close with psychology because it is consumer behavior and people are based on fear and guilt and shame. And I hate that. And, and I don't want to be part of it. And I think that kind of goes back to what you were saying about, you know, smaller companies or companies who are truly doing good and competing with companies that have a big budget to put out their quote green initiatives. And it can feel very disheartening when you're competing against companies playing by some of the, I don't know, the old tricks, if you will. Um, so anyway, I just relate to this. I just, I, don't know.
0: I think I think the, the other part of that social commentary is that This, the problem, I think, is that people are coming from a place of lack. They're like, I don't have, I don't have enough. (laughs) And companies are coming from a place of, of um, forcing that lack mentality onto their consumers.
1: Well, this is such a whole thing and marketing is, I mean, like you said, Katie, it goes against marketing to say buy less stuff. And I'm like, it is such a futile attempt to buy less when people spend literally billions, if not trillions of dollars to get our attention, to get our dollars. And that's where we always say, vote with your dollars, like, you know, you have this, where do you want it to go? And this, what you were saying to Katie about, like, I really resonated with me, what you said about, you know, companies are telling you, like, if you want to be sustainable, buy it sustainably. And so Laurel's talking about the bite, like toothpaste, and I'm sitting here thinking, you know what, I should go buy that. When in reality, I have a full tube of toothpaste at home right now. Like, I don't need to go buy a special toothpaste today. Next tube, yes. But, um, and I was just like, oh, I should buy that so I have it when I I still have stuff to use. And this all is like reminding me of this Instagram post. I saw our friend, uh, Daniel, who's a zero waste consultant um, down in Tijuana. He posted an article that said that the average US household has 300,000 items. Three hundred, and that's average. Three hundred thousand, and I just moved out of a studio apartment, and I feel like I live a fairly minimal lifestyle. And it felt like I had three hundred thousand items, <laughs> <laughs> but even if it's like thirty thousand, like it was, it was a lot more than like I should have had for such a small space. And I'm not a hoarder, and just kind of sitting with that. And I think that's another thing is like we grow into our space and we just accumulate and accumulate and Anyway, Um,
0: I had that same experience, Jessa. So, so Katie, you mentioned maybe go to your bathroom cabinet. I, I did that and it was horrifying. (laughs) Horrifying there. I have so many serums and all of the serums are in brown glass bottles. So they're all like well-made apothecary sustainable (laughs) serums, but I have 15 of them and they're all going to die before I'm able to use them. So now I'm using like very expensive facial serum on my body, like on my feet, so that I can use it before before it expires. I'm like, this is such a commentary. Um,
1: Sorry. And sorry, Katie. We'll we'll let you speak in a minute. But I am (laughs) I am so relating to what you said. And I think my thing is with this, because I just also cleaned out my bathroom cabinet with all these serums and face masks and stuff where I'm just like, how long ago did I get this? And you know, should I be putting this on my face? And It's the marketing that's selling you, well, if you use this product, you are going to look younger. Your skin is going to look clear. And my problem is that I buy it and then I don't use it. So I, same thing with my vitamins, my ritual vitamins, which I actually love. It's like, I still have to take them every day. It's not just like I buy them and I'm patting myself on the back. Like, okay, Jessa, you got your like green pro, your green, you know, superfood and all this stuff, but they just sit in the cabinet and go to waste because I'm not actually using it. Yeah, Marketing. Just, I'm a sucker.
2: I think yeah. So for consumers, it's being intentional and and being um realistic, you know, like you don't have to do all we feel like we have to do all these things, right? Um Laurel, your skin's looking fantastic. Um <laughs> but for companies too, like like Bite will be there when you're ready. Um and 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 the next serum will be there when you're ready. So there's some of it, which is some personal work that we have to do. You don't have to give up everything. Um, And you can buy yourself a a new um, serum or oil if you're excited about it. But, you know, delayed gratification is maybe a new thing that we should be looking at. Because what can you actually use and consume and, and do? You know, like, I love having good skincare. I feel like it's a, um, it's a gift to myself. It feels nice to take care of myself, you know, and I'm really excited about the skincare products that I use. You know, it's, I know the woman, she's a dermatologist who made this and she, you know, um, sun, wind, snow, she makes them um, for women who have like to be outside all, all the time. You know, I, I really, I like it. It doesn't matter. Like, and and you could connect with somebody else's story. Um, and brands are, you know, like people should still keep creating really cool products that are doing really neat things, because there's a lot of us. And so that thought of, if you market from a place of lack, there's always going to be an urgency and a manipulation. But if you market from a place of abundance, which is really hard and scary to do in a business, but if you can stand firmly in that um, right now you know, a lot of what we need to do is to tell, is to educate people on, on what's the reality. Like the, the brands that are greenwashing, they're taking advantage of the consumer's um misunderstanding of, of terms and, um and, and just people are just starting to learn and, and to, to understand what these means, what this means. And so there's a lot of education that's out there. So a brand it's, it's kind of a long game, you know, it's not a quick, like, let's sell, like, you know, when I work with people, I'm like, our marketing plan is going to be long and sustainable, but we're not going to see results for three to six to nine months, um, which is hard. And some people yeah. aren't in that
1: spot. That's scary too. Like you said, this is like, it is, there's a lot of fear. I feel like I would be afraid to say that to a client and I'd be afraid to hear that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I respect that you do that and the clients who, who do that approach as well. And, you know, as you're talking about this about education and all like, are there terminologies that consumers can look for where they know, like, you know, I'm thinking for example, like B Corp, like versus green, like what are some words people can look at that, that have meaning versus something that's more of a buzzword?
2: It's really tricky because there aren't a lot of like clear understanding certifications right now. It's sort of like, um, you know, like pasture raised is something, or free, right? You know, like free range doesn't always mean what people think it means. Um, B Corp companies they have a pretty strict regimen of what they do. Um, if a company says that they're a social enterprise, it should be really easy to see what they're. So, a social enterprise is a they kind of combine the best parts of business and nonprofit. So usually they're in they're in business or doing business with the idea of wanting to solve or wanting to help um, a certain problem. So they are, you know, but they're for profit. So they're not, they're organized as a for profit. So they're also wanting to make a profit. Um, So you can look into that. Uh, You can um, look, but I'd say mostly look for the context or ask for it. You know, if something, if if uh, a product says that it's um, they've got recycled material look and see how much that is and you can decide you know we can't fault a company for having only five percent recycling if if they don't know if people are going to buy that product um, to invest all of that R&D and to figure that out it's a big risk so you um but looking for the context like how long will this take to biodegrade how what percentage of this is recycled um it's 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 i think at this point it's being a little bit um you can look at like consume i don't even know if there's like a consumer reports that's mm-hmm.
1: dedicated just to this um well, so it- yeah. I think that's like a, kind of one of the problems that I was thinking about earlier when you your time about Amazon is that no one holds these companies accountable to meeting the goals that they set out. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I, ugh, I'm going to botch this quote, but it was like Coca-Cola committed to be plastic free by, you know, whatever, 2030. It's like, well, first of all, why so long? And second of all, what, what's going to happen if they're not? you know, and I guess, you know, kind of like you could commend them for putting it out there and saying that, but at the same time, you know, as consumers, um, and I mean, I guess I could send to the board and stockholders and all that. So different podcasts, but I think, um, you know, everything you're saying is like, for us, it's just to be more mindful and be aware and, and not do the impulse purchasing. And this reminded me, I I think I've shared this story before, but what you were just saying, reminded me of a time, like I was in the grocery store and, I it might've even been for an event I was buying, like I needed to buy paper plates, disposable plates, single use plates. Here we are. And I was looking at, and there's two packages and they're both like eco plates, you know, compostable plates, even though, like you said, I don't compost them. So it didn't really mean anything. And I was like sitting there, I'm like, which one do I buy? And like stressing over it. Cause I already felt guilty about buying the single use anyway. And then I flipped it over. And one of them was a B Corp and one of them wasn't. And I'm like, okay, well, at least I know this one, B Corp, they agree that they're doing something right to be like a little, ab- a little above, or who knows, maybe the other one was actually better and they just didn't have the certification. But uh, so that probably doesn't answer anything.
0: <laughs> well, I, feel, I feel the same way. Like, I think a part of self-awareness could be taking a note from Dr. Bronner's Soap label um, and their book that came out, they released called Honor Thy Label. And it's about their journey to ethical supply chain and how they're not perfect. They still have plastic, they don't want it. They love regenerative agriculture practices. So they're trying to get all their ingredients to come from regenerative agricultural farms. Like they set a goal and then they tell you exactly how they want to get there. And then they report out on it constantly constantly all the time and they put it on their label like it's an entire novel on the label so i that that honesty and transparency builds trust within me that i know that this product that i need i need soap we we do period Mm -hmm. people need soap period so when i buy this soap i know that it's the best it can be right now and i trust that they're gonna get better. Mm -hmm. I wanna help them as like a little mini investor buy my little soap to help them get there. Instead of me going, and I I do love my, my bar soap that's like handmade apothecary in Ocean Beach, like I'm all about that. But there's also like for consumers to think about you're investing in your future when you're voting with your wallet and you're buying something, you are buying into that future.
2: I love that. I love thinking about customers as your investors. That's such a cool way to think about it. And the other thing is, just so like, it's not your fault. Sometimes we need to buy single-use plastic. Like, sometimes you just need to do that. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Like, we need to stop guilting ourselves into thinking because that ties into what you're going to do, right? Because people are also marking up these sustainable products um, when they don't need to. And they're making a big profit on it, which then just gets back into this whole role of equity and all of this other stuff. You know, like there's so many other things you could think about that people are profiting off a false green narrative. Um, And they're making better, less toxic products, less accessible to people who are you know, it's, it's all, we know this, it's all intertwined. It's like this big thing. And you, Jessa, are not going to be the one who pulls the thread that unwinds it all, you know? So
1: thank you for taking that weight off my shoulders.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, like it's not, and there's no, no one company is going to do this either. And so I don't want anybody who listens to this, who like has an idea or is trying to do something, you know, or, or like, the, the woman with um, who wants to be the most sustainable swimwear company and she's not the most, you know, she's not the most sustainable or not where she wants to go. Yeah, that's fine. But it's about what I think is a, a radical idea is being vulnerable in marketing, just throwing it all out there and being honest. Like, that's why I'll tell you, we're not going to get results right away that's not how I work. There are other people who work that way. If that's what you need, then you need to be working with those people. I'm more of like a long-term thing. If you're in dire straits, you need to go work with those people who are going to get you going. Um, and that may not be me and that's fine, but because it's not what I do, I'm not good at that. And you don't have um, so, back.
0: You know that there is an abundant flow of work coming your way. And so you have the discretion and the the sovereign authority to make your own decisions about what,
2: what work you want to do. Yeah, exactly. And so for a company, like, like, let's be totally vulnerable and be out there and say, this is where we're at because then you have a whole story to tell. Like you look at maybe a bigger company. I keep thinking about Amazon because of the, um, because of the commercial advertisements that came out about them taking care of their workers and that's like one story. And you know, like they, there's, Amazon's not all one thing. They do some really good things and they do some really bad things. Um, and so they're just telling the one story of these few good things and it's all compressed and it looks really nice and shiny, but they don't they don't have like a constant flow of, of lots of other different things. And if you're a company who's doing the right thing and you're discovering and you're trying, You have so many stories to tell that are super interesting, just like you said with Dr. Bronner, right? How excited are you to read the label? Because you want the next chapter in the story. You're super excited about it. I'll make a comment about
0: about where I think the Amazon commercials go wrong. Um, Firstly, I immediately don't listen to them because I just don't have trust in them in the moment. I would build trust if they would say, hey, we're not the best. This is where we're at. Instead, they choose to just show the stories of like their success stories. And it's like everyone's gonna have success stories, and I'm really proud. Like, I'm not gonna give you a gold medal for treating your employees right. That should be standard business. I'm not giving you a gold medal for this. I'm not clapping you for making jobs. That's what business does. But what I wanna what I do wanna know is for you to be vulnerable and tell me where you're not doing well and where you might need help and support. Imagine if they did that, the whole community would rally behind them and be like, woo, let's do these boxes this way. We'll do the packaging this way. And like, we'll all come together and figure this out.
1: Yeah, because we want, I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, let's face it, we want Amazon to work. We want them to do well. I mean, the whole thing with the employees and the union, I think is super messed up. I mean, there's so many things that is an issue, but Amazon's easy. It works. It's it's convenient. And I'm sure they've had to make a lot of, whatever you guys, again, this is a whole other podcast, but I think, <laughs> I think the things the actions that Amazon has taken has led to the convenience that we now expect and demand as consumers. One to two days, talk about impulse buying, impatience, literally anything at your door. And mm-hmm. now we're so used to that, like waiting three or four days is like, wait, what? And what did they had to do? They've had to like reduce the conditions or as I reduce, but I'm sure they're very uncomfortable working conditions to meet these deadlines that we now expect. And so this is a thing I've been thinking about a lot lately too, is like, what are our expectations as consumers? Like, would I wait an extra day for a package if it meant that someone got, you know, a 30 minute break? (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm not, I'm like, I don't know if that's like the literal example, but without knowing the details again, with transparency and you tell that story, like, Hey, you know what? We're going to push our, our prime delivery to three days. And this is why, like, it gives us more break in our supply chain. Like it gives us more breathing room and mm-hmm. it, we're so dependent upon Amazon now that what are you going to do if they say no, or like, if, if you don't like it,
0: I went through this exact thing where I almost bought underwear on Amazon because the bamboo underwear that I wanted to buy was going to take like a week. You, you think I can't wait? I can wait a week for underwear. What's my problem?
1: I'm like, and what's I, going I, on I there? That you're like, I need I, this overnighted. I can't, I,
0: can't, I can't wait a week for my underwear. But the idea was like, I want this bamboo product for many reasons. Uh-huh. And because I couldn't get it in one to two days, like I wanted from Amazon, my initial egotistical reaction was, this is, this is BS. I want it tomorrow. And I had to actively tell myself to stop. Actively and be like, no, you're buying your necessary
1: bamboo underwear, and it's gonna take you a week. Deal with it. Well, I was just talking yeah. to my <laughs> uncle about this um, about Amazon a few days ago, where you know I'm sitting here patting myself on the back, but like I'm. I still buy on Amazon. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like trying to buy a local, and I'm thinking again, I'm bringing awareness to my decisions. Like, do I need this in two days? Do I need this overnighted? And my uncle who's very like he won't eat fish. He's very like environmentally conscious, really into renewable energy, all these things. And he's like, yeah, I buy Amazon. He's like, it's just so easy. Like I just do it. And so my uncle lives on the East coast and my um, grandfather lives in rural Iowa. And so my uncle is telling me, well, you know, his parts on his mower are always breaking. I'm like, I don't know why, but, and so he's like, it's so easy for me to get on Amazon, order the part he needs and ship it to him like that. And for that, I'm like, Yeah. Like that makes sense. Like, I don't, what's my grandpa going to do? He's like, you know, he's old and he's going to drive like two to three hours to like a city to find the right part. And you know, that comes with Mm -hmm. its own hazard. So whatever, Katie, I'd like to give you closing thoughts before we wrap up. (laughs) Yeah, I
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's such a, it's such an interconnected topic there's so many pieces and moving parts to it. So I think what I want people so for for us buying things, just take that time and be thoughtful because because when you when you buy something and you know that it aligns with who you want to be, it feels really good. And so that's great, you know, like when I buy that goat soap, like I think it might be the best soap in the world, but it might just be part of it is that it 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 helps me do the things that I want to do which is um get less package you know like have less packaging and support my local community you know like that might be part of the magic Um, so as a consumer just like think about things and like how it's fine if if what you buy helps you get to where you want to be just make sure that it actually does Um, and you don't have to spend all this time policing and don't feel guilty if you buy from Amazon, do anything like that. But then for businesses who uh, who do, you know, are solutions based, they're trying to figure this out. Um, and I always, cr- like, whenever I have to introduce myself as a marketing strategist, it's always so cringy because you just see it, people on their faces, they're just like, you know? Um, but I'm going to challenge you to think about your marketing differently and to think about it as a service. And how can you make it a service to your people? Because I'm a person who wants to strive to be better and buying some products are going to help me do that. So I want, I want you as a company to help me understand that what you're doing and how you're helping and where you're falling short right now so that I can realize that you're human too, um, you know so when you think about your marketing think about how it can be of service and how it fits into the whole company and just don't if you think you marketing then you're going to be more likely to put out you marketing and if you think helpful marketing you're going to put out into the world the kind of marketing that makes you feel
1: proud i love it so those were the three key takeaways mm-hmm. I, yeah you're so prepared. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for listening to our impassioned rants about, <laughs> you know, the topics that are important to us. We, we love talking to you and love your approach to marketing and business. And i um, just thankful to have you on today and sharing your words of wisdom.
2: Well, thank you. You know, I love to nerd out about this stuff and love chatting with you all. So I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to dig in there.
0: Thank awesome. You. Yay. Well,
2: we'll see you again,
0: obviously. Yeah, you're going to be a part you of it. You too. <laughs> All right. Send it, Jessica. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Orion Podcast. If you're looking for a thoughtful gift for yourself or others, shop ethical jewelry with a story at article22.com. Enjoy 10% off qualifying purchases with promo code Orion10. That's www.article22.com and code ORION10. Enjoy!